Between the essential reads and the English essentials, I spend a lot of time writing scripts. Now, I could do this from home, but it's a lot nicer to get out of the house and work in a coffee shop or a cafe. I could use my phone data to check articles and research for my scripts, but that can get expensive fast. It's so much easier to use the Wi-Fi at my favourite coffee shops. Well, thanks to Surfshark VPN, I don't have to worry about public Wi-Fi networks stealing my data. I simply choose from one of their 3,200 plus servers in 100 countries and continue working without having to worry about anyone stealing my data. Use the link in the description or episode notes to get Surfshark VPN today for as little as $2.30 a month on a two-year plan, and work worry-free wherever you please. With continual development in technology, hackers and cyber criminals are getting better and better at installing viruses and hacking your electronic devices. We've all had antivirus software, but your run-of-the-mill software just isn't good enough anymore. With Surfshark Antivirus, not only will you have antivirus scans and real-time virus protection, but you'll also have access to a VPN. You'll be protected from targeted ads and tracking. You'll be notified if your data gets leaked by data brokers. And most importantly, it's incredibly easy to set up and use. If you feel like your online protection should be better, Use the link in the description and episode notes to get 76% off Surfshark Antivirus today and feel safe every day on your devices. Hello, and welcome to the Essential Reads podcast. I'm Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of audiobooks from your favourite classic authors such as Orson Welles, Robert Louis Stevenson, John Steinbeck, and many more. Come join me on this journey to help get these books to the masses in an easy, accessible way. Let's start. Hello, and welcome to the Essential Reads podcast. I'm Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of audiobooks from your favourite classic authors such as Orson Welles, Robert Louis Stevenson, John Steinbeck, and many more. Come join me on this journey to help get these books to the masses in an easy, accessible way. Let's start. The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck Chapter 29 Over the high coast mountains and over the valleys the grey clouds marched in from the ocean. The wind blew fiercely and silently, high in the air, and it swished in the brush, and it roared in the forests. The clouds came in, brokenly, in puffs, in folds, in grey crags, and they piled in together and settled low over the west. And then the wind stopped and left the clouds deep, and solid. The rain began with gusty showers, pauses, and downpours, and then it gradually settled into a single tempo, small drops, and a steady beat. Rain that was grey to see through, rain that cut midday light into evening. And at first, the dry earth sucked the moisture down and blackened. For two days, the earth drank the rain until the earth was full. Then puddles formed, and in the low places little lakes formed in the fields, and the muddy lakes rose higher, and the steady rain whipped the shining water. At last the mountains were full, and the hillsides spilled into the streams, built them to freshets, and sent them roaring down the canyons into the valleys. The rain beat on steadily, and the streams and little rivers edged up the banksides, and worked at willow tree roots, bent the willows deep into the current, cut out the roots of the cottonwoods, and brought down the trees. The muddy water whirled along the banksides, 
and crept up the banks until at last it spilled over into the fields, into the orchards, into the cotton patches where the black stems stood. Level fields became lakes, broad and grey, and the rain whipped up the surfaces. Then the water poured over the highways, and the cars moved slowly, cutting the water ahead and leaving a boiling, muddy wake behind them. The earth whispered under the beat of the rain, and the streams thundered under the churning freshets. When the first rain started, the migrant people huddled in their tents, saying it'll be over soon, and asking how long it's likely to go on. And when the puddles formed, the men went out into the rain with shovels and built little dikes around the tents. The beating rain worked at the canvas until it penetrated and sent streams down, and then the little dikes washed out and the water came inside, and the streams wet the beds of the blankets. The people sat in wet clothes. They set up boxes and put planks on the boxes. Then day and night they sat on the planks. Beside the tents, the old cars stood, and the water fouled the ignition wires, and the water fouled the carburettors. The little grey tents stood in lakes, and at last the people had to move. Then the cars wouldn't start, because the wires were shorted, and if the engines would run, deep mud engulfed the wheels. And the people waded away, carrying their wet blankets in their arms. They splashed along, carrying the children, carrying the very old in their arms. And if a barn stood on high ground, it was filled with people, shivering and hopeless. Then some went to relief offices, and they came sadly back to their own people. There's rules. You got to be here a year before you can get relief. They say the government's going to help. They don't know when. And gradually, the greatest terror of all came along. There ain't going to be no work for three months. In the barns, the people sat huddled together, and their terror came over them, and their faces were grey with terror. The children cried with hunger, and there was no food. Then the sickness came, pneumonia and measles that went to the eyes and to the mastoids. And the rain fell steadily, and the water flowed over the highways, for the culverts could not carry the water. Then from the tents, from the crowded barns, groups of men went out, their clothes sopping rags, their shoes muddy pulp. They splashed out through the water, to the towns, to the country stores, to the relief offices, to beg for food, to cringe and beg for food, to beg for relief, to try to steal, to lie. And under the begging, and under the cringing, a hopeless anger began to smoulder. And in the little towns, pity for the sodden men changed to anger, and anger at the hungry people changed to fear of them. Then the sheriffs swore in deputies in droves, and orders were rushed for rifles, for tear gas, for ammunition. Then the hungry men crowded the alleys behind the stores to beg for bread, to beg for rotting vegetables, to steal when they could. Frantic men pounded on the doors of doctors, and the doctors were busy, 
and sad men left word at country stores for the coroner to send a car. The coroners were not too busy. The coroner's wagons backed up through the mud and took out the dead. And the rain patted relentlessly down, and the streams broke their banks and spread out over the country. Huddled under sheds, lying in wet hay, the hunger and the fear bred anger. Then boys went out, not to beg, but to steal. And men went out weakly to try to steal. The sheriffs swore in new deputies and ordered new rifles, and the comfortable people in the tight houses felt pity at first, and then distaste, and finally hatred for the migrant people. In the wet hay of leaking barns, babies were born to women who panted with pneumonia, and old people curled up in the corners and died that way, so that the coroners could not straighten them. At night, the frantic men walked boldly to hen roosts and carried off the squawking chickens. If they were shot at, they did not run, but splashed sullenly away. And if they were hit, they sank tiredly in the mud. The rain stopped. On the fields, the water stood, reflecting the grey sky, and the land whispered with moving water. And the men came out of the barns, out of the sheds. They squatted on their hams, and looked out over the flooded land, and they were silent. And sometimes they talked very quietly. No work till spring. No work. And if no work, no money, no food. Fella had a team of horses, had to use them to plough and cultivate and mow. Wouldn't think of turning them out to starve when they weren't working. Them's horses. We're men. The women watched the men, watched to see whether the break had come at last. The women stood silently and watched. And where a number of men gathered together, the fear went from their faces and anger took its place. And the women sighed with relief, for they knew it was all right. The break had not come, and the break would never come as long as fear could turn to wrath. Tiny points of grass came through the earth, and in a few days the hills were pale green with the beginning year. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please leave a review. And if you really want to support me, share this chapter with your friends, family, and whoever you feel would enjoy it. And if you really wish to support me, head to my Patreon. The link is in the episode notes. If you choose to follow the podcast, you'll have three new chapters per week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Once again, I thank you for listening. And until next time, bye-bye. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please leave a review. And if you really want to support me, share this chapter with your friends, family, and whoever you feel would enjoy it. And if you really wish to support me, head to my Patreon. The link is in the episode notes. If you choose to follow the podcast, you'll have three new chapters per week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Once again, I thank you for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.